0: Not the worst thing. Blog Talk Radio. Radio.
1: good
2: morning, everybody. Rich, i man, here alongside Mr. Will Porter, the producer of the show here as we get you ready for the day after Christmas. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed the presents and the food and festivities and everything that comes with that uh, special day of uh, December 25th. Hopefully, you slowed down enough to remember the whole reason for the season and uh, gave a little thanks before you got into the madness part of it here. Uh, as it was a quiet day here on my end, I know uh, Will headed back up to uh, Saluda, South Carolina, hung out with his family there. Uh, but uh, the day came and it went, and uh, here we are now uh, ready to uh, rock and roll the day after Christmas. And, uh, well, you want to call Let's tell us how your Christmas went. Come on in and hang out with us here throughout the entire show today. It's going to be uh, kind of a heavier college front than NFL front, but we will talk NFL, we will talk college As uh, we have a couple of guests to join us today, you can be one of those guests as well. Add to the list. The number to call in is 323-784-9681. That's the number to call in here and be a part of what we're doing here today as uh, we're getting you ready for uh, everything in and around uh, the world of football. Now, again, uh, college football is in full steam between now until they name a national champion.
0: Uh, of course, uh, the,
2: uh, the big four will play this weekend, uh, whether it be in Arizona, be it in, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, nevertheless, uh, will narrow down after Saturday night. to the two teams, uh, of course, we're very fortunate to have a lot of guys who are connected to, uh, well, both of these games. Uh, one of those guys is going to be Ben Moore. He'll join me at 7:30 from 24 seven sports. He's covering the game over there in the Chick-fil-A peach bowl where, uh, It's going to be a good one. Oklahoma taking on LSU. Uh, He's got the inside track there. He'll start covering that here today. So he'll join us today and tomorrow. Today 730. Tomorrow he'll hang out with us at 8 o'clock. But uh, that's going to be how that's going to work. And then hour number two, uh, very fortunate to connect with uh, Reginald Walker, Jr. He is actually uh, uh, one of the guys that covers the uh, Charlotte 49ers, uh, TV analyst, and um, GWU football radio analyst as well, as uh, he'll join us uh, with that, too. But he also had some time there with the Nittany Lions and the uh, the Big Ten. So he'll talk to us about, uh, you know, what was it like to the Big Ten this year in college football, win or lose? Uh, they feel like they, they really left their mark there during the regular season. And then also, of course, we'll dive in with him to the uh, Arizona game over there, of course, with the uh, – the Ohio State Buckeyes, who will represent the Big Ten against the ACC's Clemson Tigers. They don't have a lot of luck in in, uh, games against Clemson, and they haven't done well against uh, Clemson or South Carolina, for that matter. So for the state of South Carolina, they see that palmetto tree, and they get a little nervous, I'd imagine, over there in uh, the Ohio State Buckeye campus. But uh, they're all there where they need to be. Uh, There's going to be a lot of games happening uh, starting uh, today, tomorrow, and then Saturday, man, it's locked and loaded, full of fun. Uh, of course, they don't play on Sunday, but don't worry, because here comes the NFL in their final season. And we talked a little bit about that on uh, Wednesday. And, of course, uh, you know, you already have some teams that have already clinched their playoffs or already clinched their division. Now, the teams in the NFC that have clinched their division, the Packers did it on Monday night by knocking out, dragging out. That is the Minnesota Vikings, a 23-10 to win on, on Monday night football. And that maintained uh, Richard Cousins to be the worst quarterback in the history of Monday Night Football at
3: 0-9. So whether he was with
2: the Redskins or now with the Vikings, he's consistently done something that, well, you don't want to be consistently known for. You know, 9 on Monday Night Football. The Saints, well, they're marching in uh, to the beat of playing uh, that, of course, their division championship. Now they'll play the Panthers this weekend, who are limping in with all kind of issues. Man, they they got a lot going on over there in Charlotte, and uh, I would imagine the Saints will will have very little bit of problem winning that game. Then the two divisions that don't have a champion yet are the first one are the 49ers, and they're taking on Seattle, who by the way they just picked up Marshawn Lynch beast mode. He's heading uh, out and about. He's been up in Seattle practicing yesterday and uh, ready to go. Got to the uh, Facility in a uh, in a truck that had uh, Skittles, man. It was loaded with Skittles. That's kind of an interesting conversation uh, there. So we'll um, we'll talk maybe a little bit about that. But uh, they'll play the, uh, the 49ers will play Seattle, and um, you know Seattle. By the way, they're in the playoffs. Just the question is, are they going to be divisional leaders? Or are they going to be a wild card? Now uh, that one will be a, an interesting conversation. And then that being said. Um, the Eagles. Well, what's happening with the Eagles? Are they going to fly high and, and hang out and be able to take down the Giants? Now, the Giants, of course, uh, would love to ruin their party. You know, we've seen the last of Eli Manning in a Giants uniform, and in the NFL, I believe he retires this year. But before they do that, they would like to retire the Eagles from the playoffs because if they beat the Eagles and the Cowboys win. And the Cowboys are in now. The Cowboys had the Redskins, who were just by god awful. They couldn't have gotten a better uh, team to play going into this conversation. But uh, so the Cowboys uh, will will be playing now. Again, uh, everything is settled as far as who's in the playoffs because the 49ers are in, Packers are in, the Saints are in, the Vikings are in, and Seattle's in. Now, how it goes as far as your seed goes, that's going to be all determined. Whether the 49ers beat Seattle, they'll be the, not only the division leaders, they'll also be the number one team. But if the 49ers lose and the Packers win, then the Packers become the number one seed. And then, of course, if the 49ers, the Packers lose, and the Saints win, then the Saints are in. And then if all three of them lose, guess what? Seattle finds a way to be that number one seed. So uh, there's still a lot of things that are to be determined all the way down to the final week. That's interesting. AFC, how did that one look over there? We'll talk a little bit about that here before we head to break. Of course, the AFC, a little bit clearer, I guess you would say, maybe so, because they already know who their divisional champions are. Of course, uh, New England, for the umpteenth time, they win their division. They'll play the Dolphins over the weekend. Then you have the Chiefs. They've handled their business. They'll play the Chargers. They're the division champions. The Ravens, no more, will be picked on and uh, said they can't because they can, and they do, and they are. Home field advantage, number one team in the AFC. They've won their division. They'll play the Steelers. That game maybe should be interesting because the Steelers will get to see the Ravens with less starters than anybody gotten a chance to play against them this year. With uh, Lamar Jackson and the boys are sitting it from the sidelines. They're going to watch it from the far side, and uh, that could help out the Steelers a little bit. They are actually in the race and the chase for that final spot in the wild card. And then, last but not least, the Texans. They've won their division, and uh, they'll be playing the Titans. which they played the Titans a couple weeks ago, and they beat them. But now the Titans, uh, they have the best lead on the opening and the last position for the wild card. Now, Buffalo's already gotten theirs as well, so they're in. They'll play the Jets. That's right, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 over the weekend. But the three teams that are still mathematically alive, number one are the Titans. They lead this one, by the way. Again, playing the Texans. And you wonder how much the Texans are going to play their starters. Now, you're going to see that great quarterback from Clemson do his thing or that wide receiver that he connects with from time to time be in there as well. And then with that, of course, you'll see the Steelers. I mentioned that. The Steelers are the second team alive uh, in this wild card chase. They'll play the Ravens. And then finally, uh, the Oakland Raiders. With Hunter Infro will take on the Broncos. How's that going to work out? So we'll talk a little bit more about that here throughout the show. Uh, You want to be the number one seed, though. The number one seed does get that uh, probably the best opportunity to end up going into the Super Bowl. Since 1990, when this thing was basically put together, 16 teams that were the number one seed got in to the Super Bowl. Why the number two seed, half of that, eight of them? So we'll uh, we'll get into some of that here,
4: you know, as well. But uh, a lot
2: happening here this morning. We'll take a, a a quick break, but I do want to invite you to come in, call in, hang out, and uh, let's talk about your Christmas. How was your Christmas? What do you think about this weekend of games? The slew of games that are going to come up. I mean, there's of course uh, all of the uh, I'd say that the final four games they'll be are the final four teams we played out this weekend, and we'll see what they do. And uh, there are some pretty impressive game's on the docket here coming up so we'll talk college football nfl football or whatever's on your mind as you're listening to southern sports on live right here on blog talk radio (laughs)
1: I'm in the 7 I'm gonna act up I'ma
5: need you to back up I'ma need you to back up I'ma need you to back up Spilling the tea and you're staring at us I'ma need you to back up I'ma need you to back up I'm in the Hell is you thinking I'm jumping the leaking, and Leo that's leaking immediately? Show up this season and wait till you sleepin' and then wrap you up nice and needin' them sheets. Kick to the door open skin scanning for motion. I'm just trying to make on my pocket so beast. Don't want the coochie, I just want the Luchi so me and all of my poochies can eat. Might rob two chains, for his loose chains. Take his boot thing, I the pf chains and take him cake just taking or something. Drop kick chain yeah, and fake something. Looking at me like I'm opaque or something. Don't I look like Drake or something? She's a girl, make an earthquake or something. Better tell mankind undertake her coming.
1: Back up, i am Back up, I a Back i am the i need you to back up. i am need you to back up. i am need you to back up. the i am need you to back up. i am need you to back up. I'm in the seven, I'm gonna act up. I'm gonna need you to back up. I need you to back up. I'm gonna need you to back up, yeah. I'm in need you to back up, the you're the cup, I'm in to i need you to back up, I'm gonna need you to back up, yeah. I'm in need you to back up, come from all backup, the flow is hot, I got a shot. come fuck come from all bake you know why be smart in the cut. Come come from I the flow is hard date, that's a shark, I'm fucked come from all big cut, come from come from all the come from the top. You just watch, I control
5: I take yeah, care, you not home Got your mind, got your is, is, is This is the scenario, I'm in your area This is your burial, definitely Turn, turn, turn up your stereo, get this Jumping like Mario, now you ain't f***ing with me You, 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 it's terrible I might embarrass you right here in front of your whole family 666 six, six, getting carry. I'm spitting malaria
3: Hotter than f- f***ing Nigeria This is this is the, this is the with yeah, the beer, leave a hair on a chair so they know we was here.
5: Staring in the fear like a deer when a car coming near in the middle of the road, bit of beer. You don't want to rock with the man, hands off of the grands. Counting up bands while I talk to the fans. Knew I could jam, but the top wasn't fan. Now everybody want to be friends? Damn. How you? Said I'm just fine in the right place at the wrong time. Said I go crazy out of my mind and I think bad when daddy wrote down. And it might scrape and it might grind, but you work hard and it might shine. Let me slow down, switch the time and quit hiding.
1: Let's go, let
2: Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Heltman alongside uh, Will Will Porter over there producing the show, pushing the buttons, answering the phone, and hanging out with us here on Southern Sports. I'm sure you want to call in and join us here this morning. We'd love to have you in here with us today, just talking to us about the world of sports. Uh, may actually get Jim Baxter in here at eight o'clock. He just checked in with me uh, from uh, S University. He may have a few things uh, on his mind, uh, so that would be a seven thirty guest coming up next. Will be Ben Moore uh, from Twenty Four Seven Sports. He's out of Atlanta, Georgia. He's over there hanging out in the Chick Fil A Bowl. Uh, wonder if he'll end up uh, finishing the show when we uh, wrap up our conversation. I wonder if he'll get into uh, Chick Fil A mode. And when I say, man, I really appreciate. You're coming on board. I wonder if he says, "My pleasure." We'll see. Should be interesting. Uh, of course, at 8:30, we'll check in with a, uh, a young man who does a lot of stuff for a lot of people, but he is going to talk to us uh, about what's happening over there with the uh, the big game coming up in the uh, in the western side of the world over there in Arizona, where of course you'll see the likes in, uh Clemson, the Ohio State Buckeyes, they'll square away again one more time to see. Uh, you know, what happens this time? This is the best team I think Ohio State played them against, though. So, we'll see if their offensive line can handle the defensive uh, guy who was at the high trophy uh, uh, presentation. Of course, he's got a, 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 about 10 other buddies that would like to push around and see what they can do. And then, of course, offensively, they've got another guy that uh, for Ohio State represented the state, the university over there at the Heisman, of course, uh, that big-time quarterback can he throw it around? Can he handle some things uh, to do? Now there are some questions for the Buckeyes for me though, because they did not look great in their championship game. They showed signs of weakness throughout parts of the season. So you get into the conversation with the competition that they played tougher than what ACC and Clemson has seen all year. Maybe, maybe not. But boy, I say if Clemson comes in and wipes them out, you got to wonder how bad, how good, what what's happening. Or you can just be like me, and I'll just end up saying, well, hey, Clemson just does what they do, man. They step up in the postseason, and um, whatever it is, everybody wishes they had some of it. Talking about getting some of it, of course, uh, is the conversation uh, on uh, Tuesday night. Remember, we talked to you about uh, the hula hoop dance over there in the Hawaiian Bowl. Is, of course, you got to see the likes of uh, Hawaii and BYU. Or Saturday, of course, uh took place on um, Tuesday, heading into uh, the final night there on Christmas Eve, where uh, McDonald's threw for 493 yards, 493 yards of passing for Hawaii was quite dear impressive. Cole McDonald uh, capped a stellar performance with a 24-yard touchdown pass to Nick Mardner with... One minute, seventeen seconds remaining, and of course Hawaii beat BYU thirty-eight thirty-four. There's the final end of the fourth quarter on Tuesday in the SoFi Hawaii Bowl. Of course, uh, for the Warriors' first ten-win season since two thousand ten. That's huge. I mean, I mean that is real big for Hawaii. There, of course, uh, you look at the stats and you look the way it's all put together. McDonald ended up going. Uh, 28 for 46, 493 yards, four touchdowns Uh, in the air. Receiving-wise, uh, well, Mr. Ward over there in Hawaii uh, had it all going on the way he needed to, seven receptions, 159 yards, and a leading rusher. Uh, Well, that came on the other side of the field or the other side of the team there with BYU's Allager. He got eight touches, 77 yards on the ground. They did have a guy, Mr. Reed, for Hawaii. He carried it 10 times but only got 17 yards out of it all. Not very really good for him. Uh, but the, uh, the way it scored out, pretty good, though. They started off. Hawaii looked pretty good. And it came out there, 14 points, somewhat early. Finally getting on the board at the end of the first quarter. BYU throws up seven. Then deadlock 17-17. Both teams' defense decided to just throw it away. Not even do anything. I mean, just, hey, you want a touchdown, you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown, and they get a touchdown. All right, so goal, field goal, and you got 17 points, and we're right where we were in the end of the first quarter, and it's, of course, rolling through. But then Hawaii kind of kind of got it figured out somewhat. Unfortunately, not able to put anything on the board, and here comes the likes of, um, of BYU. They throw seven on the board, but the big difference was the three points that they put up matched up with seven, costing them four, and the final score, 38-34. And, of course, that will wrap up the season. A nice 10-win season there for Hawaii and how they ended up doing what they needed to do. Now, here we are today. A brand new day. A new opportunity uh, for everybody to kind of get it going on the way they are. Uh, some of the games happening today. You have two games only today. Now, of course, uh, the 4 o'clock game's got La Tech. That's Louisiana Tech coming in at 9-3. Not a bad little record there, but they're going to see Miami. And this could be a big win for La Tech. La Tech coming in here and and, and really having a chance to represent the conference and represent uh, the state of Louisiana on top of the university or the college over there, Louisiana Tech. For them to beat a Miami team out of the ACC, whether it's good or bad or, or, or whatever, um, it, it's going to be a big day. It is going to be a big day if they find a way to beat Miami in the ACC because they will look at it as beating a historical sound program over there at Miami, and uh, for them to be able to do that and beat somebody in the ACC, they'll definitely throw that flag around and have that conversation, Now Miami is favored by a little under a touchdown, and six and a half, so uh, can Miami, can they do that, I, I, I don't think Miami has much of a problem, it depends whether or not Miami wants to be there, that's going to be the only thing for me, so if Miami goes into this thing flat, they don't really want to be there, they've got a handful of guys sitting out, maybe some whatever the case may or may not be over there. It had to be a long day for the hurricanes and it will be downgraded to a tropical storm, maybe a depression, if you will, early. The late game is going to come at you at 8 o'clock. That's going to be on ESPN as well. Both these games are going to be on the four letter network. Now that 8 o'clock game is going to be uh, the quick lane bowl. Now, how quick will this game be? We'll see. Uh, you look at this one, a 7-5 Pittsburgh team, another team who is probably underachieved in this bowl game as well. Um, what, 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 what happens with this one? As the quick lane bowl will uh, never be mistaken for the, C, uh, the CFP venue, but Eastern Michigan and Coach, uh, coach, cr- coach Critch Crichton, uh, their tight trip to uh, Detroit on a Thursday night with uh, Pittsburgh for a uh, A battle over at Ford Field. It's a big deal, real big deal for another school. Again, these smaller schools that are playing against these bigger schools, it just means more to them, I would imagine, because they have a chance to put this on their resume, on, uh, I guess, to the top of the dessert, if you will, for the postseason. They can say they beat a power five school. You know, it's kind of like what we read during the year where you saw the Sun Belt, a.k.a. the Fun Belt, kind of doing what they did, kind of going in and, able to upset some of these larger universities and bring home a victory. Even in Southern Cops did it. Now there is only a 29.9, thanks to ESPN's winning predictor, the barometer, if you will, on uh, a chance for Eastern Michigan to win this one. But I do feel the same, though. I think when it's all said and done, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of pushback from – I don't think you're going to get a lot of pushback. I think Pittsburgh's going to handle this one pretty convincingly. So I, I will tell you, I think Miami finds their victory, and I think Pittsburgh does. And it's games like this that are going to make the ACC look stronger. And I think I want to look around, and I don't know. You have to look at bowl affiliations to each conference, but I'd have to go back and look at the SECs because I don't think the SEC's got that many – smaller opponents that they face in most of their bowl games. Most of their bowl games are are, are pretty pretty big conferences, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, uh, the Pac, are even in, I think, a couple of them as well. But this right here, when you go back and watch and you're going to see this conversation is going to start coming up, I would imagine, maybe as early as Monday here on our show, where we look and see of how each conference is doing it by bowl. In other words, the ACC has, in the past, done pretty well in bowl seasons. But you have to take in consideration who are they playing, who's played in the bowl games. Or you cannot. You can just say, okay, well, the Big Ten won all their games or whatever the case may be, and you get into it that way. But as I can promise you, as long as there's sports radio or TV or any type of uh, conversation in the world of sports, it can be around your water cooler, at it's your job. This conversation will come up. And it will be, well, we didn't really look great during the season, but, man, we sure dominated and, and killed the competition at the bowl games. So, I mean, you know, maybe our conference isn't that bad. Ugh. That's not always true. It's kind of like stats. They do lie from time to time. You're not always playing against the best of the best. So you can pad a few stats here and there. You know, we talk about that here locally. You wonder how good someone is when they're not playing in a stronger region in high school football. Well, you still have to go against the guys you're going against. I get that. But they're usually a little bit bigger, a little bit faster, especially in college when you start going to that power five conversation. So that, of course, uh, is always going to be a conversation. Now, that's going to be the two games here uh, set for today. Now, tomorrow, we're, we're up a little deeper than that. Uh, tomorrow, of course, you'll get to see the likes of a, a couple more games happening here on the docket here. So North Carolina and Temple will take on each other. That game – uh, we'll kick off at high noon. Uh, EA, of course, uh, ESPN will cover that one as well. Charlotte up, uh, U- University of North Carolina, excuse me, up five points on that one. So a field goal and a, and a safety is uh, what's going to separate these two teams. Is they are in the military bowl uh, presented by uh, Northrop Grumman. Don't think North Carolina has much of a trouble on this one. We'll get more into this one tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit more about these two matchups here coming up uh, tomorrow. Don't want to take any away from that thunder on that show. Michigan State will play tomorrow as well. The ACC again will play. So the ACC is going to get all their games out of the way, looks like, at least this weekend. Now That was going to be in New York City. Yeah, New York City, where uh, Michigan State is favored by three and a half over Wake Forest. Now Michigan State comes in here six and six. They are not who we thought they might have been this year. Not a great season for these guys. They'll play Wake Forest, who comes in here 8-4. Now, they at one point, we thought they were going to be legit. And then they tripped up. I I believe Louisville beat them. I know Clemson beat them. And uh, two other teams beat them in the year. But uh, they also weren't who we thought they were going to be. Then Oklahoma State, the number 25 team in the country, does see the action on uh, Friday evening. That's a 6.45 game on ESPN. So the third game on the docket tomorrow for ESPN is going to have the Academy Sports Outdoors Texas Bowl. God bless Texas. An old Big 12 matchup. As you'll see the likes of Oklahoma State, Texas A&M taking on each other. How is this going to work itself out? As uh, the Aggies are up uh, favored six and a half. Again, we'll get into more of that a little bit more tomorrow. Talk about that game and, uh, and how that was going to size up. We'll have a couple more guests in here tomorrow. And that game will come up again. Ignite, former Big 12 matchup. Two teams, two colleges, they know each other really well. But um, it's like a family reunion. You guys haven't seen each other in a while. Some cousins that didn't realize they were cousins back in the day because they don't play each other every day, all year long. And then of course, uh, well, we'll get into the Air Force game, which we did talk a little bit about last show. And, uh, you know, they're having a Pretty good season. They're flying at ten and t- ten and two. So I'm going to take a driving on the steering wheel. They're, they're flying at ten and two coming in here. Air Force it looks pretty good. This game is a ten fifteen because it's going to be out there on the west coast, but it's the Cheez It Bowl. Uh, and of course, Washington, led by Mike Leach, everybody's favorite, got to interview at the end of a game or before a game or just any time. You can catch the guy by the pool, he's going to give you a solid interview of entertainment. They're at six and six. And uh, Air Force is uh, favored by three, I believe. That's that's interesting. Again, yeah, they don't play as many teams as you'll see. Uh, Washington State, see what they can do. But um, I like Mike Leach to win that one as well. We'll get into that one here in a few. Got to take a break. Coming up, Ben Moore, 24-7 Sports, is going to check in with us all the way over there from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, over at the 24-7 Sports Headquarters as you're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. Right next, we'll go to the hotlines and then more.
6: And think of the summers of the past Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast Pop in my CD and let me run around And put your car on cruise and lay back Cause this is summertime She turn around and see what you beepin' at. It's like the summer's a natural aphrodisiac, And with a fanny pad. I can this rhyme To hit you and to get you equipped for the summertime. Court yet, Hustle to the mall to get me a short set. Yeah, I got on sneak, but I need a new pair. Cause basketball courts in the summer got girls there. The temperature's about 88. Hobbing the water plug, just for old times' sake. Break to your crib, change your clothes once more. Cause you're invited to a barbecue to start with four. Sitting with your friends, the shawl reminisce about the days growing up and the first person you kiss. And as I think back, makes me wonder how the smell from a grill can spark off nostalgia. All the kids playing out front, little boys messing around, with the girls playing double dutch. While the DJ spinning a tune as the old folks dance at your family reunion. Then six, the clock rolls around. You just finished wiping your car down. It's time to cruise, so you go through the summertime, hang out, it looks like a car show. Everybody come looking real fine, fresh from the barbershop, applies in the beauty salon.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Rich Yeoman here alongside the producer, the man behind the glass there, pushing the buttons, answering the phones, and uh, helping us out here today. Of course, we now head over to the Matt Burgess as we, we joined now by a buddy of mine, of course, who uh, has been here with me for quite some time. It, it's been uh, quite a, a ride here with Ben Moore from 24-7 Sports uh, the day after Christmas. Uh, ben, hopefully Santa was good to you yesterday, buddy. It sounded like you was, but we do welcome you back uh, here to the show the day after Christmas.
0: Yeah, man, appreciate you having me, and certainly uh, Santa found our house. Uh, I'm uh, very fortunate to have uh, some lovely ladies in my house, 10- uh, 10, 10 and 7-year-old daughters, and uh, they, they, I believe, got everything on their wish list. So uh, it was uh, it was definitely a good, good day in my house, so hopefully it was uh, for you as well. Yeah, man, nice
2: and quiet. Just kind of sat back. Uh, I think I watched enough shows, caught up on some things. Uh, got to watch that. You know that ESPN uh, does that uh, the Saturday, the the Down South uh, series where they they highlight a lot of teams uh, in the SEC. I watched the whole thing with Bear Bryant. I got to see some things with Auburn, uh, Peyton Manning's journey all the way to Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, the old ball coach, Steve Furrier, of course, his days at Duke that led him into uh, Florida. And remember they played the first ever, uh, SEC championship game where they thought that was going to be the end of the demise of uh, a champion coming out of the SEC because they had to play an extra game. And of course, Alabama played Florida. Everybody thought Florida might win, but Alabama came back to the final and got a pick six, I believe is how they ended up winning the first game there in Birmingham. used to be in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, now of course, it's over there in your backyard in Atlanta where they have the SEC championship. But, uh, yeah, good stuff, man. Always, you know me, I'm going to sit back and, and, and watch a little sports from time to time. I couldn't watch so much Christmas story. I kind of knew the plot for the last 41 years that he gets that BB gun and I'm going to shoot his eye out, you know?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And uh, I, I did uh, peruse social media yesterday a little bit, and uh, there were folks that were craving – uh, even a bowl game uh, or two, and it's—I uh, always laugh, and we've talked about it a couple times. You have folks who say, "Hey, there's too many bowl games, there's too much football, there's too much football." We'll wait until there's no football on TV at all from the college and professional level, and uh, it forces folks to scramble just a bit. I think it—it it certainly uh, w- would have fit, and uh, be interesting to see what uh, what the schedule makers do. But uh, you know, hats off to the uh, the, the National Basketball Association—they had their uh, their day yesterday, as we we know, and. Uh, uh, but, yeah, no, we're excited to see the bowl games uh, crank up later today uh, and uh, get us started and uh, really get us, our uh, you know, appetizers ready for this weekend.
2: Now, of course, before we get into the big game this weekend that you're going to be covering uh, starting today into the rest of the weekend and they'll finally play that game, uh, it's the earlier matchup, by the way. Uh, as you'll see, the likes of, of course, um, Oklahoma taking on LSU and uh, that matchup there that's going to have – all eyes there at the Chick Fil A Bowl. But getting into today's action, there's only a, a few games today and a few more games tomorrow. Of course, two games today. We talked a little bit about it here in the uh, the last segment there, with Louisiana Tech taking on Miami and Pittsburgh taking on Eastern Michigan. Two programs uh, who have a chance, really. I would think that Temple, ha- excuse me, Louisiana Tech has a chance against Miami, uh, a uh, of the location that it's in, and b not a bad season for La Tech, nine and three coming in here, uh, wounded, kind of a downgraded performance from the Hurricanes at six and six. Is there really a chance? I mean, you see quarterback play, the running back play there at La Tech, but do they really have a chance to upset an ACC power five school and kind of keep that Cinderella of the smaller conferences alive?
0: Yeah, I'm not honestly sure you'd even call really of an upset. Uh, Miami's been an EKG uh, this year and and certainly um, starts at the quarterback position. You know, Jaron Williams, I believe, is is going to get the start, even though, uh, you know, Manny Diaz is refusing to name a starter uh, for the game. And they've really been a mess the last few years. And we certainly have seen the the changeover and turnover in that program, really going back almost a decade. uh, You can see – Certainly, every single time, and you, know, you want folks that kind of claim for the nostalgic age of the U. Uh, I, I tell people, and again, this is this is coming full disclosure from a guy who rooted against the University of Miami growing up. Uh, but you know, the, the U's dead. It just is that 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 uh, you know prestige and that honor and that you know really the uh, the idea and the mysticism of an you know a dominant program. Uh, Miami hurricanes aren't that right now. Uh, I mean, l- listen, we're we're talking about them on december the twenty sixth playing in a bowl game in Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, tells you kind of how where they are., uh, but I, I think that that staff needs this as a building block up. They had a bit of a di- uh, a disappointing early signing period., um, they still need some impact players basically on both sides of the ball, and that's the one thing that has been very interesting to me. Is just not not only how you know how poor offensive they've been specifically at the quarterback position, but you know, how they've struggled mightily on defense. The defense, especially the front seven, was supposed to be very strong, supposed to have a super linebacking core and uh, be able to carry them in games, but uh, they, they've looked really really rough at times. and And uh, I would not be surprised. As you mentioned, little earlier, this is a home game for Louisiana Tech. They're going to have a ton of their own fans there. Uh, I certainly expect uh, not too many Miami fans to travel post-Christmas to Shreveport, Louisiana, to uh, to check out their Hurricanes. And uh, you know, it's a it's a critical critical game for Manny Diaz and his staff because we know their fans will disappear and turn their back on you in a hurry, uh, especially if things don't go well. And uh, very very interested to see what uh, what happens in that matchup for sure.
2: Now, Ben Moore, 24-7 Sports, talking about this possibility, probability for some, for Conference USA to take down the ABC. You know what's weird for me, Ben, is that Miami travels better than they do come out at home. I've seen more Miami fans on the road than if you go to their stadiums in the past, lock and load the stadium. Is it weird to you, or is it just – that's just kind of the norm. I remember even growing up that was kind of the case. Once, uh, you know, the Michael Irvins and and certain guys kind of got out of that program and they, you know, kind of downgraded to that little baby U instead of the big U there in Miami, that maybe just traditionally uh, fans just missed uh, maybe a team they pulled for growing up or maybe they grew up down in Miami and their jobs or life them abroad and now they have a chance to go support them. Is that you think that's what gets the crowd on the road moving as much? Because these guys can't be coming from Miami. They travel all the way to a place like Shreveport, or even to a place like sometimes you'll see on their ACC road
0: trip. Yeah, I don't think they necessarily travel, uh, you know, travel super well. But you know, no, they they are, you know, I believe a regional brand. Um, you know, they have certainly the, the you know, going back uh, even to the early 2000s. So, you, so you have kids uh, who are maybe growing up during that time who are now, you know, old enough that hey, Miami's coming to my backyard. And uh, they came up rooting for, but as you mentioned, from Michael Irvin all, all the way up to, uh, to, you know, one of the greatest uh, college teams I've ever seen assembled, the team that lost to Ohio State um, there for the national championship. So, um, you know, its I think you see certain teams have that appeal. Um, you know, I know they, they kind of had the bad boy appeal as well where folks – uh, you know, from the old days, the, the, you know, the, the Catholics versus convicts. You have folks who are now, you know, in our age demographic that remember that team. And, and there was a gravitational pull certainly to that because it was so against the norm. It was so, you know, anti-establishment um, that I it, I think you have folks who are naturally fans of that. And, uh, you know, they, they're looking desperately, you know, to bring that swagger back and, and to, to grab – uh, you know, the, the nation's attention again, and I think that's part of it. And, uh, you know, I remember, you know, seeing plenty of the uh, University of Miami starter jackets uh, back in those days for your uh, for your older listeners there.
2: Man, I hadn't heard that.
0: Oh, man, the starter jacket was the thing, dude. I remember growing up, man, that was the Christmas
2: present. That was the presence of presents under the tree. You got there, and you see it sitting out there, and that starter logo, uh, well, it just meant more, right? I mean, it's kind of like they used to say to you. It, you know, it just means more. But now, uh, man, you threw back an old school present there. Uh, let's head to the other game that we talked a little bit about here. Get your thoughts uh, from 24/7 Sports as we're live with uh, Ben Morover and the ATL hanging out with us this morning. Pittsburgh, Eastern Michigan. Now, Eastern Michigan is a is a team coming in here wounded at six and six, but they're playing a Pitt team at seven and five. But if you watch this. I guess I would say this team out of the MAC is there a shot here? I I don't see it personally, even though I would think it would be an interesting conversation for us to talk about tomorrow. But uh, at six and six, they're just not as good as they have been in the past. You just don't know what kind of uh, can of worms they're going to bring and open up over there with Pitt, though. Uh, Your thoughts on this matchup as it kick off a little bit later here today.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, that game's in Detroit. Uh, so you, are, you certainly would see, uh, you know, plenty of Eastern Michigan green in the stands as well. But Pitt fans do travel very well. Uh, they're a very, very solid football team. And I know a lot of folks certainly were down on the ACC, you know, and uh, rightfully so for having Clemson and then an enormous drop off. But Pitt's a solid team. Um, they're, they're very tough. They run the football. They'll come right at you and defend uh, as well. Uh, and I, I think they're going to overwhelm. Um you know Eastern Michigan, unless some funky things happen, you know turnover certainly could happen, and we see some uh things and the old conversation, certainly in bowl games as well as who you know what team is motivated to be there you know what what team is 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 higher up, what team is uh you know ready to perform and uh locks in the coaches can tell you, hey, you know what'll look at the record of different things like that, hey, that's a good team, or hey, they do this that well, but it's how they prepare um how really they uh they they come to play. And uh, and it's it's going to be very interesting to see. Certainly, a pick came out flat. Eastern Michigan has an opportunity to jump them, but uh, I just you know they're they're too solid on both sides of the football, I think, and and I think they certainly win this game comfortably.
2: Bye bye now, Ben Moore from 24/7 Sports talking of the uh, the games today that are going to take place here. Of course, uh, you know, uh, were you surprised? I guess looking back at that game on Tuesday, it was the only bowl game on the. Uh, on the uh, on the tube there that you could watch. Of course, they had to go all the way to Hawaii to put one together. Of course, uh, Hawaii comes back and, and they find a way to win. It's their first ten win season in, in, in quite a while. A quarterback that threw for almost 500 yards, and it took everybody that to come back and win this game there at the very end with a little over a minute left. But uh, you know BYU kind of we thought they had a little something going here, but can't find a way to finish their day as they were in the backyard of uh, those at Hawaii. Your thoughts on the bowl games that have been played so far up to this point?
0: Yeah, no, and you mentioned that. That was a great game, uh, certainly there in Hawaii and BYU. And I think uh, folks that haven't been paying attention or don't watch or, or you know, guys uh, you know out there playing UH, um, you know, Cole McDonald is a big-time quarterback, and he had absolutely a, a huge day and uh, has a big arm and I, I think uh, is probably one of the uh, – one of the few pro prospects uh, from the University of Hawaii that I can remember uh, was was fortunate to uh, to live in Hawaii for four four years. My dad being in the military saw plenty of uh, Rainbow Warriors uh, games out there, at uh, and Aloha Stadium. Uh, but uh, pretty pretty interesting matchup there, and, and BYU certainly has has logged the you know the um, you know the travel points, if you will, uh, bouncing around the country this season and having you know big wins. Uh, over Tennessee earlier in the season, and then going, uh, you know, certainly all the way out to Hawaii uh, for their bowl game as well. But, uh, but no, solid, solid game. And, and I believe uh, my intern Scott uh, Watkins had, had the stat that uh, they, the Rainbow Warriors or Warriors or uh, how they're called now, uh, finished the season ten and five, which I believe is the first time that a team has finished ten and five since 1901 in college football. So there's a stat that you want.
2: Live right now with Ben Moore, talking to him about everything happening around the world of college football here. Bowl season is in full strength here, by the way. And uh, there's a lot to get into here. And uh, you, of course, will be hanging out uh, with us on uh, tomorrow as well. So, I don't want to kind of take too much away from what tomorrow's show is going to look like. But you are going to be taking over the uh, the responsibilities covering that Oklahoma-LSU game. Of course, uh, this one going to kick off. And uh, 4 o'clock on Saturday, LSU right now favored by almost two touchdowns in this one. But Oklahoma, you know, they've got some playmakers over there. One of those is going to be Jalen Hurst. But what has kind of been the headlines? I know the guys are in town. Both teams are practicing over there. Uh, I think Ohio State's practicing over at the uh, Georgia State campus, if I'm not mistaken. Kind of give us an update on where they are, how things are going, and uh, what you've read, heard, or seen since uh, these guys have gotten in town.
0: Yeah, the biggest conversation certainly uh, the the news breaks early part of the week. The Oklahoma will be missing uh, several starters and several players that will do will not be playing in the game and uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And that's that's kind of where immediately your brain goes because you just look at two very high-powered offenses, uh, certainly two offenses that can score, put up points. So you look and say, okay, which defense is going to be able to uh, to lock down uh, the other? And uh, with with Oklahoma losing key members on the defensive side of the football, you know, who's going to be replaced there? Who's going to step in there and being able to slow down Joe Burrow, who's just putting up video game numbers, you know, just look up and down and, you know, certainly the award circuit, you know, he cleaned up in a major way, but you look, and they have one one of the best receiving and tight end groups uh, in the nation there in in, in LSU. And I just, it's, it's how does Oklahoma stop? You know, LSU, you know, how how do they get them off the field? How do they force Joe Burrow to make mistakes, which he just hasn't made all season? And, uh, you know, there is some injury concern with Clyde Edwards, the layer as well on the LSU side of things, um, having a leg injury and and interested to see if he can go uh, and uh, see what he can uh, muster as well. Coach uh, Ed Orgeron said he's continuing to get better in rehab each day. Um, but you know, here, here's the other question. Uh, LSU certainly knows they want to win this game. They want to move on. But if you have a guy who may not be 100, uh, percent there's plenty of uh, of stable backs who can who can come and buoy the Tigers o- offensively if they need them, just to save uh, Edwards e Lair there for uh, for the potential national championship game in uh, in New Orleans, there in, in the backyard. And, and it's not um, you know next week. It's not going to be the following week. You do have a couple extra days. Uh, to rest as well if that, uh, they are able to advance on, on Saturday. But it should be a big-time game. Uh, very much looking forward to it. A lot of folks on paper think LSU can blow Oklahoma right out, out of the building. And as we've seen uh, so far in the college football playoff, these semifinals, for the most part, haven't been close. They've been uh, sizable margins, and, and really that early game has been kind of tough to watch, as we've seen the last few years, uh, where you look back and you say, all right, well, the margins have been uh, you know, two touchdowns or more. So uh, certainly Oklahoma looking to, uh, to hold on uh, closer to that. And as you mentioned, yep, Jalen Hurts and uh, the Oklahoma Senators were uh, practicing in town at Georgia State Stadium. Uh, I believe uh, they, they went took the Mercedes-Benz yesterday uh, to get kind of their first workout on the turf. Um, that they'll be uh, playing on Saturday as well, but uh, yeah, a lot of lot of hype, a lot of buzz. Looking forward to uh, seeing how both fan bases, um, you know, sort of show up in the city of Atlanta. There's plenty to do. Uh, there's there's exciting, uh, you know, certainly events all the way around. Chick-fil-A uh, Peach Bowl community does a tremendous job uh, getting folks involved. Uh, there's a lot of activities for certainly for the players, for the fans. Um, you have Fan Fest, which is downtown, kind of takes takes over. Uh, downtown area, and there's so much, so many things to do that are walkable from the from Mercedes-Benz as well. Get downtown and uh, or use Marta, uh, park downtown, and just uh, really go. You know, it could be 10, 15, 20 things you can do in a day. Pretty, pretty, pretty easy to go and run around. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm very much looking forward to the uh, to the game on Saturday and uh, seeing what seeing what shakes out.
2: Live right now is Moore, 24/7 Sports. He'll be covering this same game that we're talking about right now there in his backyard, Atlanta. They came to him. How cool is that? That's a nice present from college football to give you, and that is to play in a uh, semifinal uh, college football road to the championship game. As you'll see, Oklahoma taking on LSU over there in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. It's going to be in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Well, they'll get to see some really good football, man. And looking at the numbers, then, I mean, if you go through and look at some of these numbers in comparison – you know, I was doing that earlier, did it yesterday, and did a little bit here this morning. Even points per game, it's it's 43.2 for Oklahoma, only 47 for LSU. Now, now points allowed, not very different either. Now you got 24 Oklahoma's giving up, but she's giving up 21. So, they're not that far away. I mean, we kind of saw that in the Texas game when they actually hosted LSU earlier in uh, the season. They just want to say if you're LSU, you don't want to say you opened your season again the Big 12 and ended your season with the Big 12 and uh, and, and the Big 12 getting the final lap if they're a way to beat them. But to get a little bit into and kind of wrapping it up here with you, buddy, that you mentioned a lot of guys not playing in this bowl game. Is that the factor? Because, of course, drafts coming up and they're just going to sit this one out because it is the bowl season. This is something that we have to talk about this time every year, and that is players just not playing that final game.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, you know, I, I certainly see both sides of it, and uh, you know, being you know playing team sports like you did, um, I couldn't imagine saying, hey, you know, uh, what what I would do in that scenario. Uh, but you know, if you are are going to be a you know, are draftable prospect, and this has been interesting, certainly been to, bandied about, and and you have old school people who said, you know, hey, I'd, I I want to be there with my brothers, and I want to play a game, and this and that and the other. Uh, if you're not playing for a title. Um, and you're slated to be even a first, second, third, fourth-round draft pick, um, it's really, really difficult to go out there and potentially injure yourself. And, you know, this is the other side, too. The semester is over. Um, You know, you can go and and 100% rehab and prepare for the draft, and you have folks who certainly get ready um, and go different places and working out with specialists and performance coaches and different things like that. Um, It's very, very difficult. Um, you know, to, to make that decision. Um, it is the game of football. You only have you know, a certain number of, of college snaps at your disposal. So I also see that side and say, Hey, you know, um, but you know, I, I've seen some vitriol certainly on, on social media early when fans were getting upset about it. Hey, you know what, you may cost us this game, cost us that game um, like it or not. These games are exhibitions uh, other than, uh, you know, basically the college football playoff game. Uh, they're, they're meaningless certainly for, uh, you know, championship indications and purposes, but they do have some pride to the schools and their fans and, and, and that side. Uh, but it is, it's going to continue to get, I believe, um, you know, uh, more widespread as folks realize. And, and and then you have the cases where guys do get injured in the bowl game and basically levels them from any kind of pre-draft workout and combine um, you know, Even pro days that will be coming up in the spring too. It's very, very difficult for for these kids um, to to potentially lose um, you know millions of dollars uh, in some cases um, to to see what they're what they're doing. I would hate to be that you know, that person that, that had to uh, be on the other side. And as well as the coaches, they have to know what star players they're going to be potentially without. I know in town, uh, certainly here here in uh, Atlanta, they've been talking about how many. You know, Georgia Bulldogs will be missing the Sugar Bowl, for example. Um, could be as much as three, could be four uh, starters out for that game. Gives gives the, the opponents a huge opportunity. And I think, you know, we go back to the motivation. Um, not having players play because they're not, they're sitting out bowl games, that's a big part of it as well. So, um, you know, use inexperience, uh, pulling some starters away, all that stuff factors in these bowl games. And uh, very interested to see what the trend continues, uh, you know, like it or not uh these these top players in the country, you know they have you know representation whether they've uh officially signed with an agent or not uh they're talking to folks and their parents are talking to folks, and people around them are talking to them and tell them, hey, look, you know what you may be a fringe first round guy you, you you may not want to get into a bowl game uh against maybe a lesser name opponent and look bad, and that be your final uh, you know, final audition tape there for NFL scouts. So uh, there's a lot of things that go into it. And again, also you could go in the bowl game and really uh, put up big numbers and, and uh, you know on national stage and get an opportunity to to fault yourself. So I see both sides of it. Um, you know, I'm not going to say uh, certainly one side's right, one side is wrong. It really just depends on what the kid and his family decide. You know, but in terms of seeing them out, but it's certainly tough to di- digest as a guy who loves college football. Well, i tell you what, it's going to be a a huge, huge weekend for
2: you and everybody covering college football course. Uh, We're going to get you back here tomorrow, 8 o'clock. We'll get you 30 minutes later than we did here today. We'll get a little bit deeper into it, and uh, you'll actually have the time here today to kind of get into the conversation over there with uh, the likes of uh, everybody playing this big game. You know, I'm kind of torn. I get it. I understand it. They're definitely going to be playing – uh, for bigger things uh, here in a few months with the draft coming out, but for me, man, these guys are up against all that they played this thing for. This is why they came out and played the games that they did. They made it to the Final Four. They're playing for a chance for a championship, something that they can never, ever imagine. Some teams never even get to sniff the opportunity, and here they are living the opportunity. Uh, so uh, Ben, as always, man, you know I, I did say this in the in the Oprah here. Uh, where, of course, now you're going to be covering the Chick-fil-A Bowl. So I wonder if you're going to work on your – and you maybe started yesterday at the tables, and you may have went around and and gathered everybody's plate, and everybody could say thank you, and you could go back and say my pleasure. You know, it's the Chick-fil-A way there. Uh, Just kind of curious, uh, are you prepared for uh, taking care of everybody over here at the Chick-fil-A and all their needs at the bowl game?
0: Uh, listen i i'm thankful i, I have uh, some family members and great friends that uh, work work at Chick-fil-A in the corporate office and uh no, they they take take care of me before than i would uh, take care of them and uh you know shout out to my uh, younger sister uh who was able to uh, to uh, secure uh, some tickets for my dad and i so we'll, we'll be in the building uh excited to see um, you know the, the the Chick-fil-A Bowl, but no, they have have gone several times uh, in the past, and then just again experience everything around that bowl. They do a great job as well. Uh, typically do an FCA breakfast as well the week of. You know, invite some high school athletes in, and folks come in there and talk about their faith and talk about their background uh, and build that. Um, Has the likes and the opportunities to to hear uh, Bobby Bowden speak, Steve Spurrier speak. Um, at this breakfast, and, and here uh, I believe Kemp Sumlin someone, uh, when he was at Texas A&M, and was in town as well. So, uh, pretty pretty awesome event, and Chick Fil A just rolls out the red cor- carpet here uh, in their hometown, and uh, it's it's a tremendous event for anybody that, uh, that that hasn't been down and looking to go to a bowl game. They with no no team to root for necessarily, just looking to kind of get get in town and get in the mix. I certainly recommend doing that. Uh, there's a ton of stuff to do, and of course, College Football Hall of Fame is right down the street as well, which I, I could just spend hours and hours in there wandering and meandering around watching old video and old film and, and some of the, uh, the college football, uh, you know, uh, memorabilia. That's, uh, that's from the very, very early days, which is always fun.
2: say well, the last Chick-fil-A bowl, uh, Chick-fil-A bowl I went to might've been 2010, right? somewhere around there. when the Gamecocks traveled in and played against Florida state and boy, they knocked out Marcus Lattimore, literally. I mean, it was not a good day for, uh, for of course, Marcus Lattimore, uh, that ended up changing a lot of things for the Gamecocks. Florida State ended up coming in and, and beating the Gamecocks there. And uh, Man, I say what an experience it was, though. I, I'm not a big guy to go to a lot of these bowl games. I'd rather watch it from the house because it becomes quite a – it's a different environment, if you know what I mean, for me. I've never uh, had my team play in the uh, the Final Four or the championship game, which I got to cover uh, a couple years ago with Clemson and uh, Alabama down in, of course, um, Tampa. Now, that was fun. That was a whole different type of environment, of course, if you're playing for something as large as a national championship. But uh, Ben, as always, brother, we appreciate your uh, your help here to help make our show uh, a little bit better. Heck, maybe a lot better. But you've done your job here today, and we'll say so long. Farewell until tomorrow at 8 o'clock. We'll check back in with you. We'll go over some of the games for tomorrow and Saturday. So we've got about 20, 25 minutes worth of conversation uh, to uh, maybe do some pickums and uh, to hang out with you
0: here tomorrow morning. That sounds great, man. Enjoy your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
2: All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Ben Moore from 24 7 Sports. He so doesn't get any better than that guy, man. I tell you what, loves college football, loves to talk it. And uh, we'll get into that conversation again with him tomorrow. He'll join me right here at 8 o'clock. We're going to take a quick break coming up top of the hour. We'll get into some more talk. We may see the likes of JB. That's uh, Mr. Baxter there coming in here from, uh, well, SC Varsity. He is a uh, high school guy who talks in college as well. But we'll see. He calls in, we'll hang out. If not, you call in. You hang out. 323-784-9681. 3, 3, we're hanging out over there at the Gurden Pharmacy Studios. We'd love to hear from you if you're live right here on Block Talk Radio. Coming up next, hour number two
0: on Southern Sports Central. My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the tent farm and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed, call the farm.
4: I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed, I called the farm.
0: I used to be the victim of bad tent. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own
5: hometown. I called the tent farm and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed, I called the farm.
6: I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the Tent Farm wanna help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed, call the farm.
1: Hey,
2: welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Elman, live on Southern Sports Central. Hour one in the books. Want to thank Ben Moore from 24/7 Sports, hanging out with us, talking to us about the season, and that is the bowl season here on Southern Sports Central. Hour of course one and hour two going to be a little bit heavier uh, here today for sure on college football conversation with the bowl seasons now uh, hitting the green light, and they will roll all the way through till they finally name a national champion. They've already named all these award-winning trophy guys with different uh, Heisman trophies, of course, going out to LSU, the coach of the year going to LSU. A lot of hardware hanging out over there at LSU. They had to build a brand new building to put a lot of this hardware in, so they, of course, uh, have been uh, decorated, but the biggest one of all, the one that they all want to talk about, is that one of the national championship. Now, that's got to go through the city of Atlanta over there in the Mercedes-Benz uh, stadium where, of course, the Chick-fil-A people will host uh, a fine crowd. And uh, there will be multiple uh, multitudes of chicken sandwiches handed out over there and all the commercials you can imagine for the headquarters of Chick-fil-A over there in Atlanta where they'll uh, – I wonder how many times you'll hear my pleasure, though. That's, that's kind of my thing. Yeah, I saw this on Facebook a while back, and uh, I always thought it was funny because when it came across my feed, I was waiting uh, in the parking lot and it said, you know, uh, you ever go through the drive through uh, over at uh, Chick-fil-A, it, it, it's, it's almost like it's on counseling. They do everything but rub your face and tell you everything's going to be all right. So uh, it's about close, though. I mean, you know, I go to the one over in North Charleston, It's different than the one in Somerville. Uh, there's a guy over there off the Dorchester Road at that one who, uh, you know, he gets them every time, man, every time I get in there. Number one, he, he gets 99% of the people, unless you know what he's doing. He points on the ground like there's trash. course, your first thing is to look down. We got you. Then he does this little magic trick with his hands, which is, it is what it is. But the one that I love the most, this is where he comes in and slams it in. And, I mean, it's, it's a slam dunk. And he kind of knows who to go after. He goes to these tables, and he's got there. of course, you know, they bring you your food. And uh, I still don't understand how they can color code it with, with what you have, because maybe there's a number on that container they give you. I, I have to look at it. But he goes up to these folks. And it's almost like he can read that they're just not going to pick up on it, but he'll tell them, "Did you order a Whopper with cheese, no onions?" And the people are like, "Oh no, that's not mine." And it's a good five minute conversation where the people are buying in that this guy not only has, I mean, you're looking at the Chick-fil-A box, and he'll say all kind of things. Okay, you wanted a, a d- double quarter pounder, hold the hold the mayonnaise. And the guys are like, "Oh no, I didn't. That's not me. That's not mine." One lady, actually, it was Tuesday, maybe even Monday. It was Monday man, she was about to get upset. She couldn't believe it. She stood up, looked at the menu. She was like, I didn't even know I could order a double quarter pounder. Maybe I should have gotten that instead." can you change my order to that? <laughs> it was just, it was an interesting conversation, but he gets people all the time. I mean, all the time he's, uh, I guess he's entertainment, kind of free entertainment, if you will. And, um, yeah, it always adds to the environment that you're in there. But, uh, some of the key points that Ben Moore did bring up talking about key points, uh, Oklahoma, sitting out multiple players, why would you go this far to just come this far? I, I just don't understand it. And then if I'm a teammate of yours, I'm looking at you going, dude, I busted my hump all year long to get us to this point. You busted your hump to get us to this point. I stood beside you, and I was hurting. I didn't feel well. Something might not have been going my way, but I did not want to become a selfish individual. And I played on that one day. Could have been anything. Could have been any kind of storyline. But you see, there are multiple players on defense not even going to play in this game come Saturday. I have a huge problem with this. I have a huge problem with this. And I wonder, and they're not going to do anything because it's a character thing to me. And I get it that there's, and it's like Ben said this. He said that he understands both sides of this. But they could have gotten hurt at any point this year. They could have got hurt in the first week of the uh, first week of, of the game of the other games in the season, or they could have gotten hurt. Uh, to be quite frank with you, they could have gotten hurt. At the first practice. You know, I mean, there's so many times that if it was going to be, it was going to be. But not playing in your bowl game when you're up for an opportunity to play for a national championship,
4: that's just awful.
2: Nowhere near sounds right. So I asked the question what would you do if you were given the opportunity to play in the Final Four? And now I've, I've, I've said this before I do understand, I don't like it. But I understand if you're playing in a less tier bowl. I understand if you're not playing in a bowl game that's got the hugest implications. It's not one of the New Year's Day bowl games. And it's back here on the 22nd or the 21st. And it's like, man, I don't even know if anybody's watching this game. I can kind of understand that. But if you're playing anywhere near New Year's Day, or you're playing on New Year's Day, or you're playing on one of the final four teams that are going to be playing for what could be a national championship, how can you not play for the, for the love of the game, for the love of the opportunity? for one final chance to play the game that you love so much and it's going to mean so much to you. Because once you leave college football, and I understand it. I've been here. I've done that. Once you leave the situation, I ask yourself the question of how does it work? Now, the Sooners, of course, uh, here's my producer doing what he does best. The Sooners will be missing two starters on defense as uh, defense end Ronnie Perkins, was one of the three players suspended. So that makes a little different deal there, too. And safety, Dale Turner-Yale suffered a broken collarbone in practice last week. Good job there, bud. That being said, on top of some other things, I mean, some things, if you're suspended, you're suspended. You can't do nothing about that. You did something wrong, so you go to timeout zone. That sucks. If you got something broken and you can't tape it up and put some dirt on it, you know, I get it. But there's also, but I wonder if they're not highlighting those other guys. So now you've got two or three guys here that are either suspended or hurt, on top of the other guys that are not playing because they're sitting it out because of their status in that and and draft day. Is it a character's flaw? Are there big decisions? And i a side of me that wishes that the NFL would look at this. I, there's nothing really to do. I get it. I get it. I get it. I just don't like it. I don't like that you come this far to just come this far. And you see this all the time. But you know what? What about the guys who who? this is their final game in college football? And I'm not talking about on Saturday. I'm talking about the guys that, that earlier this week that played, and it's not a big bowl game. It's two smaller teams, and it's a lower-end budgeted bowl game. But yet they've played hard all year long. Let's say Charlotte, matter of fact, who the young man we're going to have come in here at 8.30 join us. They went down there, of course. They went to, you know, a place that everybody would love to go play a bowl game, at least, at least go and watch a bowl game, in the Bahamas. And Buffalo ran them out of the stadium. Let's say they had 10 guys that sat out because they were draft-worthy. But what about the other guys who weren't draft-worthy? Because that was their final college football experience. And even though the scenery was great, the food was okay, because let's be honest, I mean, I've had some pretty good eating down there. I've been to the Bahamas a couple times. times. all right, and I'm being honest. Charleston's got better food than the Bahamas does in most places I've been down there Nice, you go to some five star you want to spend some money, throw it down and all around and be somebody with some paparazzi around you, but other than that, I mean uh myself, you know we have a senior senior frogs in Myrtle Beach. They can hit that up over there on Broadway at the beach. but for me, you're not getting i't you just it, to me it would bother me. Because I sacrificed the days I didn't feel well, the days that this didn't go well. Certain things that, you know, whatever, I said, "Wow, oh, man, I got to go play because my brothers are, are, are waiting on me. You wonder if that's the case. How much is that going to play a part? I don't know. We'll take a break here in just a few to kind of break up uh, this one. And then at 830, like I said, we'll, uh, we'll jump in here with uh, our guests coming up at the uh, second hour here. And it's pretty cool to have this guy come in here because he's going to break down some stuff in the Big Ten for me. He'll talk about, you know, the other game that's happening on Saturday night. Of course, that's uh, the Clemson Tigers and the Ohio State Buckeyes. And nobody's giving the Buckeyes a chance. And that's kind of, you know what, to be honest with you, if I'm the Buckeyes, that's exactly where I want to fly, right up under this radar. I'm not that good. You're right. I'm not that good. yet. they beat us really bad the last time. I don't think anybody's on this roster from the last time. In fact, it's a whole new coaching. Well, that's for the most part, it's definitely a new head coach, so it's a different deal. However, I get it. You've got a great running back. You've got some great receivers. You know, you've got uh, you know a quarterback that's, that they continue to talk about. But for me, the, the cool part about this game that's going to be fun to talk about is 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 this Big Ten Ohio State Heisman Trophy representative on the defensive side, are they good? Are they as good as we thought they might have been? Can they do the things that no one else this year has been able to do and, quite frankly, hasn't done in a while? Clemson hasn't lost a football game in a long time. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive if you look at the numbers. I don't care. Look, I tell kids this all the time. I don't care who you play, undefeated or undefeated. That that alone, you can't take that away from the players. You, know, you can't take that away from the kids that are on the gridiron out there getting it done in the trenches in between the lines. And they still got to play against a bunch of kids that are the same age as them for the most part, maybe not the same size, but again, maybe. But they're handling business week after week, doing what they do. Year after year, Clemson is handling what needs to be handled. They had not lost a game in 23, 24, something like that, I think, game, somewhere like that. It's been a pretty high number. That's – again – You can care less what conference you're in. That's That right there, that's a big deal. That's something to be proud of. But we'll get into that conversation because uh, we are going to have a guest come in here, and he's going to hang out with us. We'll talk to him about, you know, all that's happening. Of course, the man I'm talking about is Reginald Walker, Jr. He's uh, a a former Nittany Lion, current Charlotte 49ers TV analyst, and uh, George Washington University football radio analyst as well, radio co-host and a guest. So uh, there's a lot, but his hometown is Charlotte, North Carolina. We'll talk to him about, you know, his thoughts of this big 10 ACC matchup where he's kind of got a little bit of conversation in both with uh, Charlotte somewhat kind of being the hub for the ACC, so to speak, in a larger uh, city spectrum. And of course his days uh, connected to Penn state and things like that. We'll talk to him about his connection to uh, the Nittany Lions. And I like, let me tell you, I like the Nittany Lions as well, but with that, They are connected, of course, to the Big Ten, who's connected to this big game that I'm talking about. And uh, we'll kind of get into that with him, you know, as well. But, you know, we're excited about getting him in here, talking to him about what's new, what's happening um, as well. So what we'll do now is we'll take a quick break. We did have a – we'll throw a little high school in the mix here between bringing him in here because we did get released yesterday uh, locally here in the state of South Carolina in Charleston, to be exact. The Post and Courier, a local paper – Released. Uh, well, it's a uh, first team and second team in the Low Country. We'll talk about that coming up next. If you're listening to Southern Sports Central right here on Vlog Talk Radio.
5: You're on the couch, blowing up my phone. You don't wanna come back. You don't want to be alone, it don't take but two, to have a little soiree, if you're in the mood, sit tight right where you are babe, cause I'll be at your door in ten minutes, whatever you got on girl, stay in it, you ain't gotta leave the house to have a good time, I'm gonna bring the good time home to you, we'll have a house! You got on, baby, stay in it. You ain't gotta leave the house to have a good time. I'm gonna bring a good time home to you. We'll have a house party. We don't need.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Rich Yelman here live on Southern Sports Central here in the Gurren's Pharmacy Studios in Somerville, South Carolina. Day after Christmas, hopefully everybody got all the gifts they needed and was able to uh, really dive into uh, what hopefully was a a full day of uh, food. Usually that's what happens, right? I mean, everybody kind of puts on that um, that fabulous 15 during this time of year. Of course, I didn't get to partake in a lot of that kind of food, but... uh, It still was a relaxing, interesting, kind of quiet day yesterday as I was over at the house. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, uh, I did watch a lot of uh, movies, caught up on some things that I hadn't seen thanks to the world of Netflix. And uh, then go through and uh, go and look around on ESPN at some things over there with them as well. And, uh, you know, just trying to take it easy yesterday because I knew tomorrow, which is now today, and, of course, Friday and Saturday, we're going to be pretty busy, and then Sunday because we are up to date now, and um, and we have put NFL on our menu. But during the day yesterday, as I'm sitting around and enjoying my moments, you know, a little list came out. And that, of course, uh, one of the few final things that are going to start to kind of come out here, and you start to recognize some of the athletes. And, you know, right now, yesterday was kind of the decade tweet yesterday. Everybody kind of went out yesterday and put a lot of things about the decade players of the year and, and, and certain things like that, which I thought were uh, interesting, some of the lists that were put out yesterday. And um, also yesterday that's always released, usually I think it is Christmas Day, that uh, David Shelton, he's one of the local beat writers here in Charleston, puts out. And that is the uh, the all-low country team. Of course, it was led by uh, Manny McQuamu. Manny McQuamu is uh, the big-time quarterback, uh, over at Grease Creek, still waiting to find his uh, college football home, but he ends up um, being the player of the year. Who uh, had a good year. Yeah, he had a good year. Man, he, of course, uh, had some numbers there that I think would surprise anybody. He can not only run it, he can throw it. He's six foot two, two hundred pounds, set many of the school records over in the fall. Of course, passing for more yards and more touchdowns than any quarterback over there in their school history. He completed sixty percent of his passes. Attempted with 2,502 yards, 35 touchdowns, and added 905 rushing yards and 11 or more scores over there. So, uh, of course, uh, with those numbers, uh, you had to, you know, imagine that he had that leadership role that he played very well for the most part over there. Over in the creek, was, uh, Goose Creek had uh, a great run doing the things they needed to do and handling the business that needed to be handled over there with them. And uh, you start to kind of put things in perspective for him. Where will he land next? Uh, you know, you start to kind of really enjoy um, his future. Where is it going to land him? His brother, by the way, is a big defensive guy with the University of South Carolina Game the Gamecocks. Uh, will he head to South Carolina? Will he go over to Clemson? Will he head anywhere to the larger schools in the southeast? Or will he find his home in his niche over Coastal? Maybe that's a good spot for a dual-threat quarterback over there that – looks like to me they could use some help. They had more than uh, 15 guys jump into the portal, bus. I didn't say portal where it looks uh, like a little small spaceship. They actually had to get a larger um, piece of equipment there to move all those guys in and out of there. But uh, they they actually broke the record on the first day that you can jump in. And they had like 15 kids just say, I'm out, deuces. So did they get this young man from Goose Creek to head over there? As again, he – Kind of did his thing. And, uh, of course, uh, you look at Keegan Williams. He was recognized as the running back on the year there. 5'9", 170-pound, uh, two-year start over at Oceanside, led the low country in Russia with 2,231 yards on 252 carries. He's averaged about nine yards uh, per touch, scored 40 rushing touchdowns and five receiving scores, also called for 25 passes for 403 yards and gained over 3,294 yards of rushing with 57 touchdowns in just two seasons. Uh, I'd say that's a pretty big deal. Uh, also, on the first team is going to be running back, Ashley Ridge's very own Tory Durant. Uh, now, he averaged uh, 10 yards per carry with over 1,200 yards of rushing and 12 touchdowns, played in eight games, topping 100 yards six times, also caught for 26 passes for twenty-two hundred twenty-five yards on a score Um, Did really well. He also was recognized uh, on his region team as well. So, there's two running backs uh, over the 1,000 marks. Great job there. 1,200 yards for one. And, uh, man, a ton of numbers for Keegan Williams as well. Lead the way on the wide receivers. We'll start off right here in Somerville. Brody Hopkins on the first team there. 6'4", 185 pounds senior. Playing college baseball for the College of Charleston. Where He'll hang up the pads for now at Go out there and see what he can do on the diamond. Now, of course, uh, played receiver, played safety, punter, a little bit of everything for uh, the Green Wave. I had a chance to watch him uh, firsthand, and, man, he was Mr. Everything for the Green Wave his senior year. Uh, I thought he did a great job. Anything that the coaching staff asked him to do, he would step up and do it, play the position there, do what needs to be done. He had 35 receptions for 825 yards and seven touchdowns, averaged about 24 yards reception as a junior and 23 per catch as a senior named uh, Somerville's most outstanding player uh, this past year selected to play in the uh, North South game, which he just did uh, a couple weeks ago and posting three receptions in that one for 43 yards in a game. Now signed again to play for the college of Charleston and um, watching what he does. Other guys that played on this or will make this team will be the uh, sincere Brown, their wide receiver from Baptist uh, first Baptist. He'll be a part of this deal as well. I believe. Uh, you know, he's going to be heading and playing college football somewhere. I don't know if they've announced it yet, but he looks to be going somewhere as well. And the guy that we talked about was the player of the year. Of course, um, that, of course, Mandy McWameau, he had it uh, in the hands. He would throw it over there to uh, Damon Muzan, a wide receiver, 5'9", 170-pound senior, breakout senior for Muzan, who had 69 receptions for 956 yards, 18 touchdowns. He also made his all Region team and led the Low Country in, Reception. The other final receiver there that you had was uh, Hakeem Megan, a wide receiver from Berkeley. We got to see him firsthand as well. Again, another uh, young man. You got three of these guys that we've mentioned so far. Somerville had to play against, of course. Or they do play uh, the likes of um, Goose Creek. They, of course, play Ashley Ridge. And uh, this Berkeley receiver here who, 6'3", 180-pounder, selected to play in the Shrine Bowl at the uh, – Big game that he had, by the way. Finished with 200, excuse me, in 2019 with 62 receptions. 1,022 yards was the uh, number he hit there with 12 touchdowns, and in his all-region team as well. The offensive line led by Dalen, Excuse me, Adam McCano, the offensive line guy there, 6'4", 270 pounds. He's going to be heading over to Rhode Island where he's signed, sealed, and will be delivered sometime in July. He was over at the Shrine Bowl. Now, tip of the cap to this young man, because he got to play a position that normally he doesn't play. And I thought he did a really, really good job there. He was the center, uh, wasn't on the special teams, but was there for the other three downs there. As you start to kind of watch him, every play, this guy got better and better. He played his assignments well. He basically, I would say, learned on the fly and did a great job. And beside him is going to be Hunter Powers. Now, Hunter offensive lineman there from Berkeley, 6'2", 270 pounds senior, three-year starter at Berkeley, played in the north-south game as well a couple of weeks ago, uh, highest-grading offensive lineman at Berkeley over at 2019, all-region team that he got. Then you head over to Oceanside where it was Mr. Seabug, Dalen Seabug, 6'5", 310 pounds. Man, that's a big kid. He was a leader for the Land Sharks offensive lineman that paved the way for that Keegan Williams that we talked about and uh, was pushing guys all around there in the um, 6-2-8 competition there. We got to see him here at his final game of the year there. We got to watch him play in the regular season, or excuse me, in the postseason as uh, they were up there in Barnwell. Then o- Jordan Richardson from Fort Orchester. Talk about a big man. 6'3", 270-pound offensive lineman from the two-year starter, all-region team. Anchored up the front line there the offensive average, about six yards per rushing attempts with 38 touchdowns, uh, big time there. And then finally, you look at the other guy on the other side, offensive line there, uh, all the way from Goose Creek, Jaden Johnson, 6'5", 300-pound sophomore, already regarded as a top-10 sophomore prospect in the state. Johnson, of course, uh, graded out 8% in the season with 27 pancake blocks, Selected to that same region team there as well. Keith DeShore, number five on the charts, number one in your hearts there. He, of course, uh, he's an athlete for the 5'10", 170-pound junior. Uh, Led the pages in receiving with 36 receptions, 699 yards and six touchdowns. Also excelled in the special teams averaging 36 yards per return. So, anytime you can get it near his hands, it was a big deal. Uh, On the kicking side, Oceanside brings in their guy, which we've actually had his coach, kicking coach in here as well, and uh, he's done some big things with all his kickers. They've got a pretty good special teams over there. Uh, it's kind of a battle between Somerville and Oceanside. I think they've got some kicking for cancer coming up. We're going to get involved in that. We'll let you know when these two guys are going to kick it up here in Somerville uh, for a good cause, but uh, it is going to be Oceanside's Chris Haynes uh, taking care of that position there for this um, well, all-tournament team here, and 5'10", uh, 150-pound senior led Uh, All area kickers with 96 points, which included 75 extra points and seven made field goals, longest 39 yards, named to the all-reaching team there. So a lot happening there on the offense defensively. We'll go through it quickly. It is our man Brandon Johnson who's heading to go play at Navy. He lays it there for the defensive line. Also, his man to the left is going to be defensive lineman, Ford Orchester, 6'4", 255 pound. Emmanuel Johnson is heading over to play over at Georgia Tech. Miles Keston is a defensive lineman over ocean side. He's going to be at foot 270 pounds, also on the defensive line from first dab. It's going to be Mikey Bladen, Luke Taylor coming in from the linebacker side. The young man, 6'1", 210, still waiting to get his decision to be made. He was an all-region player as Naheem Simmons, a linebacker from the Creek, Goose Creek, as he's at 5'10", 220 senior, also part of the all-region team. Linebacker Jake Dunn from Berkeley. He's on this list as well, are Ware. We talked to where, by the way, uh, he was actually in the Shrine Bowl, and uh, I thought he did really good there. As he'll be heading over to the University of South Carolina at 6'2", 220 pounds to play for the Gamecocks. Karen Farrell, defensive back from Woodland. We know about this young man. He uh, grew up some of his days at Somerville, then headed up and uh, moved up to that side of the world where he's been playing now for uh, Woodland there. But uh, he verbally committed to App State, Three-year varsity starter in the secondary, 67 tackles, six interceptions. Here's a guy that's got everybody's attention, Will Pickering, another big-time guest that's been on the show. The defensive back from Wando, 6'2", 170-pound, three-year starter for the Warriors. In 2019, as you know, he started over there, played in the uh, north-south game, had a total of 68 tackles, including 51 on the year. 2019, a good year for my man there. Uh, Savion Townsend, defensive back from Baptist Hill. Is going to represent the guys in the backfield, along with defensive back from Fort Dorchester. Kalen Gatson will join him on that side. Also, the athlete on the defensive side, Tobias Lafian, He comes in from Porter Gout, the athlete, six foot, 160-pound senior. He uh, skied an all-state selection there, had a total of 47 tackles, five interceptions on the defense. And um, you look at the punter, well, that's going to come out here from first fabulous Alex Manguinis, as he's averaged 35 yards per punt while – converting a 45 of 47 extra-point attempts in 2019. Uh, you see there, 5'11", 160-pound junior. The coach of the year is coming from Goose Creek. Why not? Coach Winestead has done a great job over there with the Gators and putting these guys in position to be competitive, to win on and off the field and do things well that they like to do and have it done, it seems like, since Chuck Reedy has been over there on that campus with the staff that he had brought a few years back where they won a state championship. All that being said, guys, we're going to now take a final break. We come back. We're going to head to the Madsburg Hotline, where I'll be joined here with our big-time guest coming in here. And uh, well, he's going to talk to us a little bit about college football as we get back into the college football rank, But I wanted to give uh, some love to the guys who were uh, well-mentioned uh, over the holiday yesterday, and they had their day made yesterday by getting some news there. So coming up next, it's going to be Mr. Reginald Walker, Jr. He'll come in here and chime in. We'll talk about Uh, the other bowl game on the other side of the country that will be played Saturday night. We'll talk about the Big Ten, the ACC, along with uh, a few other things as you're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. Play ball!
5: Town ain't small, it's a little of both, they say. Our ball club may be minor league, but at least it's triple a. We sit below the Marlboro Man, above the right Wall. walls. We do the wave all by ourselves. Hey, um, a blind man could have made that call.
1: We like our beer flat as candy.
5: We like our dogs with mustard and relish. We got a great picture, what's his name? Well, we can't even spell it. We don't worry about the pennies much. We just like to see the boys hit it deep. There's nothing like the view from the Chiefs. Boys again, that local band. One more building rises tall And suddenly we're all grown up And this old town's not quite so small But i always miss the middle-sized town In the middle of the Middle West With no-name pictures, local band mustard and relish and all the rest We like our beer, fat ass candy We like our dog
2: Welcome back, everybody. I'm going to come in here, of course, uh, on the other side of the glass. It is going to be Mr. Will Porter, who's producing the show, answering the phones, tweeting out over there at So Sports Central, and you can follow us over on Facebook at Southern Sports Central as we're uh, well, we're in college football mode. We did take a break to talk a little high school and recognize those that were recognized yesterday on a beautiful day of Christmas, as uh, they got a nice surprise from a local beat writer who put them on first teams, second teams, and just to make that team. You. you. saw the size of the offensive line, the defensive line. These kids are man child. I mean, these guys are definitely uh, worthy of playing at the next level with some college, and only imagine if uh, we do get this thing put together. Uh, Southern Sports Central in the works right now. I'm having an all-star game for the senior, kind of have a senior bowl here in Charleston. Uh, it would be basically the Tri-Candy uh, Southern Sports Central Bowl that would highlight all of the high school seniors, because there's just not enough Positions. There's not enough places to land some of these kids uh, in the Shrine Bowl, the north-south bowl game. So what they've done regionally or here locally in each area, in the upstate, they've already got one that did their first one. Uh, the of course, uh, the center of the state, they just had theirs uh, last week as well. So uh, they have their bowl game, and now, well, let's do our part here in the low country and we'll see what we can do. Meanwhile, let's go back to the Matt Burgers Hotline, where I'll join my buddy Original Walker. He, of course, uh, man, this guy does a little bit of everything with a little bit of everybody. We say top of the morning. Uh, Mr. Walker, thanks for hanging out with us here on the day after Christmas. We say Merry Christmas to you. Hopefully you got the presents you asked for yesterday.
4: I did. I got the perfect present. I got uh, I got some time with family. I got a chance to uh, enjoy and, and, and relax in that. and um Oh, by the way, on Christmas Eve, I got to watch a little football before that. So, uh, I'll take the Hawaii Bowl because I just love college football. Man,
2: it is the greatest game,
5: period.
2: I don't know if it's just so great because they don't slam it at us for six, seven months. I don't know if we would like it as much. I'd like to give it a try. Why not? But uh, I agree with you, man. Watching anything you can on college football, man, it just makes life better. It makes uh, makes the days go by. Uh, a little bit smoother for us here. So update us. Tell all the listeners here a little bit of everything that you do here uh, in, in your world of sports. I know you cover about many, many things here. You're on a few uh, networks as well. Uh, but but what's a normal day in the life of Mr. Walker as you go through uh, your day-to-day operations?
4: Uh, it can be pretty busy uh, being the uh, main uh, TV analyst for Charlotte 49ers, uh, college football, taking care of that. Um, Gardner-Webb. Football, I do their games for radio, um, uh, including uh, a young player from down in that area, Somerville's own uh, DJ Hancock is a running back uh, at Gardner-Webb there in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Really good young player. They like him a lot there. So doing that. um, uh, Local radio here in Charlotte, uh, where I live as well. So uh, very busy. um, But the main thing is uh, I just watch a lot of college football. Uh, If I can't watch all the big games, I'm recording them watching back later, studying film, just trying to make sure I'm familiar with everybody and everything going on in, in, in the world that is college football.
2: Live right now, as a good friend of ours, we're looking forward to having him added to our portfolio. And as a contributor to Southern Sports Center. we're always looking to upgrade this position, man. And I tell you what, looked at your resume, and you and I have connected through the world wide web of social media, and you're right, DJ Hancock, man. Uh, yeah, he was the last guy, by the way, a couple years ago. They rushed for 1,000 yards here at Somerville. Uh, and we hated to see him go, but we've enjoyed watching him over there uh, with the Bulldogs, of course, over Gardner Webb doing what they do. Uh, we've actually got a coach, uh, a couple coaches on our staff over at Somerville that have played at Gardner Webb, and now one of them's the, uh, the head coach of the JV squad over there. They just had an undefeated nine zero season, and uh, you can tell the, the the things that he's learned in his days over Gardner Webb. He just basically came here, put him in Somerville, and he's building them up from the youth because he's actually con- he's convinced these eighth graders to come into the weight room and start working out early and get ready, get stronger, get better, get faster right now so that when they do hit the high school field, the diversity level, they'll be ready. So you see that same mindset when DJ comes home. He still works out. He still does the things that he learned here, but he also picked up a few things up there at Gardner-Webb. Uh, of course, uh, the Charlotte 49ers, you talked about what you do for those guys as well. They made their first bowl trip. Why not, man? Nice way to start your bowl uh your trend there is you started down there in the Bahamas. Man, that had to be kind of neat. The environment uh, is, is what you would want and in a uh, relaxing area. Of course, you have to play the football game sooner than later. We'll talk a little bit about that with you. But you have a connection there. Uh, what's your connection there with the
4: Nittany Lions?
2: Talk a little bit about Penn State and the Big Ten a little bit before we get into some of the other two teams that you do cover.
4: Oh, yeah. That that was, uh, you know, that's where I played my college football. That's my alma mater. Uh, Love that program and, and everything that it's about. And, you know, it. It's been an interesting, you know, sort of decade there uh, with everything going on with Coach Paterno, and and then moving on from him, and then eventually uh, him passing away, uh, and then Bill O'Brien comes in and, and what he does with the program. and I thought he did a great job, and and some people were upset with him when he left, uh, but my thought was, hey, listen, when no one else wanted that job, he took it, and he kept that program afloat. Uh, James Franklin has come in and, and done a really good job so far, won a won a Big Ten championship, and uh, seen this team go to a Rose Bowl and continuously uh, winning 10 games a year, recruiting well. Uh, the one thing I've always said, you know, some people are saying, oh, there's a lot of guys transferring. If you don't think there are a lot of guys transfer in the transfer portal with any successful program in the country, uh, you're, you're misaligned in terms of what you're paying attention to. It's a different culture now. Kids come in, they want to play. If they're not going to play, they're going to move on to where they can so it's been interesting to watch, but I feel like the program is on good footing and, and I'm looking forward to watching those guys compete in the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. Man, I love it, man. I
2: think, you know, the one thing that we, we enjoy about our guests and we try to do this every day and boy, we didn't hit the uh, trifecta here with you playing your days at Penn state, you cover two different colleges. And of course, you, you've you got to be a little bit of a fan of the big 10 who, by the way, playing in uh, one of the semifinal games, Ohio state's going to represent the big 10 playing against the ACC foes of uh Clemson Tigers. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about uh, that game coming up here on uh, Saturday night. It's the matinee there. It's the final of the two big games that are going to be played Saturday. Uh, You've seen not one but two guys head to the Heisman Trophy uh, presentation. One on defense, one on offense. Uh, And the transfer portal, by the way, you mentioned it, it, it's kind of played to to me. And I kind of call it the college football draft. These guys go out now. They have an early signing period. So they get the kids that they, they want, or at least they go after the kids that they want. And then when they don't get what they want there, they're able to go to this transfer portal now, get who they need now, and then go in the final signing day, which is the original signing day in February. uh, Kind of talk to us a little bit about all three aspects that I just kind of talked about. And does Ohio State have a chance going in there? Is this a different team that I keep saying? This is not the same Ohio State team that we've seen in the last probably 10 years that's probably more well-rounded than we've seen in a long time. Yeah,
4: well, uh, there's – you hit the nail on the head with the transfer portal and, and, and the recruiting cycle. And, look, I think a lot of people were surprised that so many kids sign early now. But it tells you kids want to get this process over with. Talked to a, a young prospect uh, last week, and he's going down to Miami. He signed Quentin Williams, a defensive end out of Charlotte. And I said, are, are you You know, what made you sign? And he said, I just want to get it over with. I'm tired of my phone ringing. I just want to deal with one set of coaches and be done with it. And it was interesting to hear. So that's created a lot, but then that creates the situation with the transfer portal because all of a sudden if coaches recruit a similar position player uh, and coaches, college coaches have told me they've got someone responsible to look at the portal every single day. They know that it's a part of the process. So they do that. Um, And then when you look at speaking of the transfer portal, you look at Ohio state, uh, Justin Fields has been exactly what they needed. I think, Uh, It was smart for them to go get him. Tate Martell, good athlete, can't throw the football as well as Justin Fields. Justin Fields throwing the football for Ohio State, running the football. I've said all year that Ohio State was the most complete team in college football, and I think Clemson is the best team in college football. And those can be two different things. And I think this game on Saturday night between Clemson and Ohio State at the Fiesta Bowl in Glendale is, to me, The game, you know, they always say, oh, where's the the championship? Is there a championship? To me, this is the game that's going to be the national championship. I think whoever wins this game will probably beat LSU and win the national championship. I just think these two teams have been that consistent throughout the year, and people say, oh, what about Clemson against North Carolina? I don't care what national championship team you've seen, what undefeated team you've seen. They've had a close call. Clemson had theirs with with, uh, North Carolina. Ohio State. Shouldn't to be honest, if they don't put the football on the ground in the third quarter a couple of times, they blow Penn State out. So at the same time, they've had their game as well. But these are two football teams that I think are trending in the right direction. They're peaking at the right times. For the most part, they're healthy. Uh, Justin Fields dealing with it a little bit, but for the most part, these two football teams are healthy. I think Clemson has a slight edge though, because I think when you look at Ohio State, when you look at Clemson, I think the difference is going to be. When Ohio State's on the defensive side of the football, Clemson will find a way. They're going to have some trouble blocking Chase Young. But the third and fourth receivers for Clemson, that's a massive advantage against the third and fourth corners for Ohio State. I think that's the difference in the ballgame. Breaking down the big
2: game here coming up uh, in Saturday night. Like, as we'll go to Arizona, you'll see the likes of Ohio State. Clemson, I think you said it best, and I don't think I've heard anybody say this, is that Ohio State's the most complete team, while Clemson's the best team. That, that's, that's a quote that can make it to a T-shirt, man. I think that's, that's pretty catchy. I like it. Uh, and I agree with you. You know, you go against into depth, I think that's where Clemson's going to probably get a little bit better at. And you look at their recruiting, that's where it's going to come from. Now, again, Ohio State's not a slum to, to getting in the top five conversations recruiting-wise, but Clemson, man, they've got more five-star guys that are turning around than anybody. I mean, these guys are just accidentally taking guys. And when you can take a defensive guy, when you can turn around and take a defensive guy from LSU, who's known to be a DBU kind of university, and you can take him to Clemson, that's huge. That speaks volumes of Brent Venables. And, of course, uh, the guy that I said I would have my own grandmother, uh, you know, talked off the ledge by is Davo Sweeney. I mean, this guy can recruit coaches as good as it does players. As we're uh, live right now with uh, uh, a young man who we look forward to adding a ton, and he's already started it off early here with Reginald Walker. He covers uh, not only – uh, the Charlotte 49ers, Gardner Webb, Bulldogs over there, but he also played his days at Penn State, and he's connected to the Big Ten. Uh, this year, up-down season for the Big Ten, would you say at, at this point, I know bowl games are going to kind of play a little bit of a factor, and I say this all the time, unfortunately, uh, Reginald, you, you look at this stuff, and it's not, it, It's not. just. it's not really a fair identity because a lot of guys may or may not play. You just don't know. Uh, But one thing you do know, uh, to me, I think the Big Ten, if not the best, one of the top two teams conference-wise in the country. Your thoughts on that, and how did they do this year during the regular season?
4: Uh, I agree with that. I've been saying all year, first of all, this is an improved year for the Big Ten. Uh, We know what Nebraska is going to eventually be, at least under Scott Frost and his history. But you think about it, uh, Lovey Smith gets Illinois to a bowl game this year. The Iowa nine-win team, that's what Kirk Ferentz does. Uh, Minnesota comes up with P.J. Fleck in that group, and then the Badgers. That's just the West. And and I would ask this question of anybody. Uh, When you look at Ryan Day, uh, James Franklin, Jim Harbaugh, and Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State, uh, is there a better or more difficult gauntlet of four coaches in a division in college football? I would put that group up there with anybody. You think about the SEC West, and you've got Nick Saban, obviously, and you've got Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, great, and you've got Coach O, and then you've got Gus Malzahn at Auburn. I would argue those two divisions, those eight coaches are amongst the elite, and four of them are in each division in the same conference. That is a gauntlet of a schedule. I tell folks all the time, the Penn Stateers, they're like, Franklin needs to be undefeated. I said, hold on a second. You're asking him to beat Harbaugh at the time before this year, right? Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, and Mark D'Antonio all in the same season every year with the ch- with chances are two of those games being on the road. I think that's a tough task for any coach. On the flip side, for Michigan fans, they're asking him and uh, Harbaugh to beat Franklin and Ryan Day, or used to be Urban Meyer, and D'Antonio. All in- that's very, very difficult to do. Uh, so I would argue that those two divisions, at the top at least, have the four uh, four elite coaches in those divisions in college football. So I think the Big Ten is, is on good footing. It's got good coaches in the league. Uh, some of the additional coaches, uh, Pat Fitzgerald, still a good coach at Northwestern. Uh, I think this league has a chance to continue to be really, really good. If they can get some of the teams at the bottom squared away, I think, Bringing Greg Schiano back to Rutgers helps them. That adds to the credibility of the league as well. You start looking at this conference. Hey, I'm not saying the Big Ten is as good as Penn State, or I'm sorry, as good as the SEC. But what I will say is the Big Ten, from a coaching standpoint, is starting have starting to have some of the quality names and quality production of coaches like the SEC.
0: an illusion.
3: All right,
2: so here we go. Uh, Of course, uh, working on a little bit of technical stuff here this morning as we're uh, getting through. uh, We apologize uh, back now here as we are with uh, Mr. Reginald Walker, who is a connection to Charlotte 49ers, the Gardner-Webb Bulldogs and uh, as we mentioned uh, as well with the uh, Penn State days as he played there for the Lions there uh, as uh, you and I haven't had a chance to do this, but I'm going to tell you, man, I, I'm going to try to get you in here every week with me, man, because the energy, the knowledge, and just the excitement that you bring in with you to the show and everything that you're able to kind of get in here with us uh, is, is quite exciting for me. And for me, I'm going to say this and, and, and kind of go back on it a, a little bit here when you look at the big picture of things for me, I hated the way that Joe Pye ended up leaving the likes of uh, of Penn State, them taking down his trophies, and them doing the things that I think were done over Penn State. You know, it it, it almost it, it kind of broke my heart because here's a man who has meant so much for the game of college football, who got tied and twisted into something that I won't get into on this show and right now for sure. But he meant so much to college football as a Bobby Bowden, as a Bear Bryant, as, as many guys – had meant so many programs, even that guy over at Ohio State met over in his days. So for him to go out the way he did, man, it was to me, I, just, I it literally, it's still to my day today, it still breaks my heart for them to have taken down a statue to a guy who has done so much, not just for that
1: university,
2: but for the game of college football, man. I tell you, I think you, you nailed it when you said the guy that they brought in was a job that nobody really wanted. It's like following behind a legend because that's what he was. Nobody wants to be that guy, they want to be behind the other guy. And I thought they hit a home run with Dan Franklin, too, coming from Vanderbilt, energy, opportunity, goes down the floor, puts up a bunch of billboards. When he's packing up his stuff, he brings a few five-star kids home with him. I mean, he really has done a great job at Penn State. But but what you, I guess, your take on that Penn State deal with Joe Pye, being a former player, being a guy? I mean, uh, is it right for me to say that, you know, quite frankly, I, I hated the way that it ended for him because I don't think it was justified. I think there's a guy that deserves to be – remembered as a legend in the game of college football and he did a lot more right than
4: he did wrong in his days on campus yeah it it ended very rough and 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 that hurt me at the time obviously and it still hurts um you know it's a program that that i i appreciate so much for what it gave me and the doors that opened for me um and that started with him he had to be the one uh, that was willing to allow that door to be open to give me the opportunity to be there and 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 get an education as well as don the uniform on Saturdays. And so it was, it was, it's, it's still painful um, because not only is it, you know, uh, about the game of college football, but, but he developed a lot of men and, um, and, and as we continue to move forward um, and I talked to some of my old teammates and even guys that played before me for Joe, uh, we try to continue that legacy, even in the new, in the program the way it is now and pass those things down and, you know, it, it, it's it's one of those things where coaches – the thing that I thought Coach did so great with us is his message was the same and it was so consistent, and it was about us growing up and becoming better people every day as opposed to just worrying about how good we were on the football field.
2: Breaking it down right now with Reginald Walker. He covers a, a lot of things. He's going to cover a lot of things here with us on Southern Sports Central, but he played his days there at the Nittany Lion where Penn State. Uh, very close to the situation, of course, with Joe Pye and the uh, success that he had. Of course, uh, they're continuing to do big things over there. And, uh, you know, I love the whole atmosphere. I've never been to a game there, but I've, uh, it's on my bucket list. I hope to get there uh, here in the upcoming future. Now, let's talk a little bit about Charlotte. These guys make a bowl game. You head down to, of course, uh, a tropical place. that uh, destination is for many on a cruise boat or on a plane. Uh, but you guys they able to go down there and play in a first-time in a bowl game, but you run against a very good, very athletic, very aggressive and deep, talented Buffalo team. Kind of tell us about what was it like getting into that first bowl game? I can imagine the campus atmosphere when you guys got eligible to go down and play in this game uh, was exciting. But your thoughts overall when it comes to uh, the Charlotte season, the 49ers, and uh, hitting that history button?
4: I thought it was huge for Coach Healy's first year at the helm and and, and really – doing something obviously the school had never done and I think uh, you know being around that football team throughout the year remember this was a football team that at one point was two and five and and there were some whispers and 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 folks wondering hey is coach Healy the right guy I'll be honest and and in talking to him uh, one of the thing that one of the things that him and the coaching staff said was we're not changing the message we're not changing our culture we're not changing our style we're going to be consistent and their consistent message I think was the catalyst to the team finishing the regular season on a five-game winning streak to get to 7-5 and five, to get to the Bahamas. It, it, once they got to the Bahamas, I think message received for the players, message received for the fans, this is a coaching staff that has the right message that can get this program going in a great direction, and that's the start of it. And then you get down there, and bowl games are difficult. And and, and one thing I'll say, because some folks are like, oh, they got down there and they got beat. Coach Healy said all this stuff about having a good time. Listen, when you find out your bowl fate on the 1st of December and you got to play a game on the 20th, there's no way you can fit 15 practices in, exams, travel, and all the bowl activities and really be able to prepare fully. Um, and I'm not making excuses for them, but it's a difficult task. But I do think the way everything came together for this program this year, starting off the season 1-0, and they played Gardner-Webb in week one. They were 2-2 two two at one point after losing to, to App State and Clemson, uh, two coaching staffs that praised uh, this Charlotte 49ers program and said they'd be going in the right direction. It's a football team that essentially you take out App State, who is a 13-1 football team at the end of the year. Clemson sitting here at 13-0 playing for uh, – in the college football playoff, potentially chasing another national championship. Uh, you're talking about 26-1 being a part of two of Charlotte's losses. You take those two losses away, this is a 7-4 and four football team, including the bowl game. That's a pretty good year for Charlotte 49ers football. So uh, kudos to Will Healy and his staff, uh, Marcus West and and, and Coach Cooper uh, handling the defense, Alex Atkins, the offense over there as well. That's a really good group of coaches. Uh, some really good coaches on that staff. Montario Hardesty, uh, former Tennessee running back on that staff. Uh, you look at Coach Eddie Hicks just a really good group of coaches that understands how to develop players. I think that program is going to be successful for a long time, especially as long as they can keep that staff there.
2: Live right now with uh, Reginald Walker here. He's the man, the myth, and the legend down there, of course, uh, covering the Charlotte 49ers uh, in their first ever bowl trip all the way down to the Bahamas. Well, I tell you what, they hit the jackpot for the fans and for the players. But that's a good point, though. You don't have a lot of time to prepare because there is an itinerary that happens. Oh, by the way, and then you got to play a game when you're down there, wherever there is. Of course, So that one was a game that uh, families save up for many years, many many years, and get a boat. You know, don't even get a chance to go down to see the Bahamas, and you guys have to spend a, a handful of days down there. Now, before I get you out of here, the Penn State Nittany Lions aren't playing in the Cotton Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, a going to be a good game there. Your thoughts on, on that other bowl game uh, that's coming up to uh, your alumni there, where you played your days uh, at Penn State? Your thing. Your thoughts on how they'll come out of this one?
4: I, I tell you what, this is this was a tough one for me. I, I had to I, as soon as the matchup was announced, I had to make a post. My hometown is Memphis, so I had to post immediately. Hey, I love Memphis, but I didn't go to school at the University of Memphis. I'm a Nittany Lion all day. Uh, and I think it's going to be a really good football game. Uh, Penn State. Uh, losing offensive coordinator Ricky Ronnie, what's that offense gonna look like? Uh, Memphis losing their head, coach Norvell. What are they gonna look like? Are they gonna go out and try to prove how good they are and that he shouldn't have left or do they do they uh, hang their head? I think they're gonna play hard. It's a good team on the offensive side of the football, a little undersized defensively. I think Penn State's gotta win up front with their offensive line. I think they gotta run the football. Heavily in this game, and then they got to be smart on defense and not take too many chances because this Memphis team can score. I like the Nittany Lions, but I think this one could be a high scoring game.
2: Well, I tell you what, man, every time I ask you a question, you just light up the studio here, man. We're right now, oh my God, this guy's from Memphis. What is the chance of this guy being from Memphis playing at Penn State? That's Penn State playing these guys in the Cotton Bowl, which is a big time uh, bowl game, of course, as well. But uh, I tell you what, Reginald, man, I greatly. Appreciate this opportunity, and I'm going to catch up with you off the air because I want to try to schedule definitely during the bowl season. Kind of have you in here once a week with me 20 30 minutes if you got it. If you got 15, we'll take what you got. But, um, man, what a, what an honor it is, and uh, what a
4: huge home run, uh, Charlotte and Gardner Webb
2: have to have you in here.
4: I appreciate that, and yeah, let's make it happen. Uh, anytime, uh, I love to talk college football, I love to, to be a part of, of good discussions and. And you've had a strong show for a long time, and I'm just honored to to have an opportunity uh, to to spit out a little bit of what I may know um, to add to it. Well, brother, I
2: tell you what, you made a step up our A game, and you brought yours. So uh, we'll take uh, a few here, but we'll definitely talk to you a little bit uh, later here in uh, the afternoon, but we'll get in with you next week
4: as well. Sounds great.
2: All right, guys. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Quickly, I uh, want to recognize Mr. Reginald Walker. He is uh, many voices. Of course, he covers the Charlotte 49ers, Gardner Webb as well, and uh, does it in fashion. Played his days over there at Penn State, and uh, man, I tell you what, couldn't have asked for a better interview, a better opportunity to gain a new friend here on the show, and thanks for the compliments there as well. That'll do it for today. want to thank Ben Moore from 24-7 Sports out of Atlanta, covers everything there. He'll be taking care of our likes and dislikes of uh, the LSU-Oklahoma game at the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Of course, uh, we'll get back in here with uh, our man, Mr. Reginald Wall. We're
5: going to take a quick one. We'll be back tomorrow
2: at 7 a.m. sharp. You're listening to Southern Sports Central, another radio broadcast from Blog Talk Radio. Guys, God bless. Take care. Till tomorrow. used
1: to be Silver City Indigo
5: Used to be in lunchroom playing dominoes I don't want to have to go to funerals I got to start sleeping at the studio. I don't have no.